you guys, we are launching a 12-part series. It's called New Identity, New Life, which is really just sort of like a clever, let's, you know, how can we make it marketable? But what it is, is we're diving into Ephesians. And my hope is that by the end of the, this 12 weeks, you're like, but there's only six chapters. I know, because we're going deeper into Ephesians. And my hope is that, that by the end of this, uh, you guys will love this book as much as I do. And Ephesians is such an incredible book. You could read it over and over and over again for the rest of your life and probably learn something new each time. And uh, love, love, love this book. It was written by the Apostle Paul towards the end of his life. So right around uh, 62 AD is when the Apostle Paul wrote this book. And uh, it's where we get this idea of the church being the body of Christ. Has anybody ever heard that term before? The church is the body of Christ. That comes out of Ephesians. And uh, Paul started the Ephesian church. So Paul planted the Ephesian church, and he's writing them uh, basically to encourage them to grow up. So grow up in Jesus, to mature in Christ, and to live a pure and honest life. And that was kind of where he was getting at. And Ephesians is also interesting because it is where we get much of the way that we do church comes from Ephesians. It's, you might be able to even call it like a, an instruction manual for doing life together, an instruction manual for, for doing church. And uh, so what I'm going to do, it's sort of a longish video. It's about eight minutes, but I wanted to show it to you as sort of like a, a primer, as an introduction, as a high-level overview of Ephesians. If this, if this feels a bit academic for you, that's okay. You, it probably means you need a little bit more academic in your life. And, uh, but I want to show this video. And I actually think that we have this video in um, Ecamm Live, so we can watch it online as well. So it should be there listed in the videos just to the left of the preview screen in Ecamm. And so, so we'll watch it online and we'll watch it here. And so you guys check this video out on Ephesians. Ooh, doesn't that sound like a good book? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I hope you guys uh, love Ephesians by the time we're done with this, if you don't already. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the first half of the first chapter of Ephesians. And it's, uh, it's this beautiful declaration of God's incredible love and his grace and his commitment to us. And so this, the first part is just so amazing, and we'll read it here in a second. But, um, I, you know, i got to be honest. There are times, and I don't know about you, you're probably not you guys, but me, there are times when I have a difficult time receiving God's love, where I have a difficult time um, you know, receiving his grace and receiving his goodness and receiving his kindness. And it's not because of anything that God does. Um, it's because I just, I don't measure up to certain standards. And um, if you've been in church for a long time, you know that there's this sort of set of standards. And if we don't measure up to them, we don't always feel so good about ourselves, right? And so it's a time. I feel like I haven't measured up to a certain set of standards. And I think, surely God isn't pleased with me. And so he's not going to give me what I ask. 
um, you know, of course he forgives me, but all this other stuff, this kindness, this grace, this goodness, this blessing, uh, he's going to withhold from me. And um, maybe he even wants me to kind of leave him alone for a while. Maybe God wants to cool off because I've been kind of a jerk, right? I have, I have failed. And it, it probably comes from growing up. I had a biological father where if I upset him, there was a cooling off period. If I didn't meet his standards, there was usually a couple of days where I should probably leave him alone. And then, after a couple of days, he would act as if nothing ever happened, and that was my sign to resume normal father-son relationship, which was incredibly dysfunctional. So, did anybody else have something similar to that? Everybody's like, I'm not raising my hand, but I'm seeing a couple of nods, and uh, yes. And so, I remember one time... Um, he had asked me to wake him up on a Saturday morning to, to, so that he could take me and my brother to some, like, festival we didn't want to go to. And uh, it was really, you know, because he liked to do that. There was a festival, there was something, and let's take the boys, and I didn't want to go. Um, and so the next morning, I decided that I was going to watch Spider-Man on Saturday morning. And I would wait till after Spider-Man to wake him up. And boy, was he ever mad that I woke him up late. And uh, boy, it was like I, I was afraid to ask him for anything for the next couple of days. I would just kind of kept quiet and try to stay off his radar and get him to not notice me, you know, until he had cooled off and then resumed just behaving like everything was normal. Uh, and maybe you go time, go through times where you think, surely, for sure, I've got to be a burden on God. Like, God must be tired of this behavior of mine. God, he must be exasperated or tired of this, this aspect of myself. I must be a burden to God. He must be sick of my issues. He must be tired of my failures. Surely he's, run, he's, he's only got this much grace left for me, right? This much kindness left for me. That's, that has to be the case. And so what do we do is we adjust our expectations, we adjust our faith levels. We, you know, we don't expect anything from God because we're thinking, well, if I were him, I wouldn't be blessing me right now either. And so uh, it, when it comes to how God really feels about things, uh, the thing is, is I think it's best to let him speak for himself. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean... A lot of times, what do we do is we, we like to project what we think God is thinking. We like to project what we think God would say. We like to project what we think God would do, rather than just letting God speak for himself. And, uh, and I like to do that. I think it's best if we do that. So we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about this in the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. But first, real quick, let's pray. God, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for your word. And your word is alive, and your word... Uh, it, it brings transformation, it transforms us, it has its way in us. And we pray that that would happen today, Lord. And we praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And it says this. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. And I actually... You know, we use the word blessed, hashtag blessed, 
you know, all, all the time. And I think a lot of times we actually forget what blessed means. And so, I, you know, I kind of had to look it up. And when Paul uses the word blessed here, what he means is he has, he's favored us. And, and what's funny is the, the biblical definition in this case of blessed actually means he's showered us with blessing. You know, he's, he's soaked us in blessing. So he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every. Everybody say every. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Aren't you glad that he didn't say he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we read our Bibles five days in a row? Yeah, right? Aren't you glad that he didn't say he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we didn't get upset and use crude language with somebody, right? He's, he's like everybody in here is like, I'd be screwed. Um, <laughs> right? I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's blessed us with every, he says, why? Because we're united with Christ. Because we're united with Christ. It's, it's all about who you know in this scenario. Isn't that wonderful? It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's all about who you know. Because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Alright? Isn't that awesome? And so he, he, he sees us without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He didn't do it reluctantly. He didn't do it, you know, because like, I, oh, I guess. I feel sorry for those wretches. It's, he says he's, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I don't know about you guys. This is exciting. Wake up. This is, this, this whole, that whole verse right there is amazing. It's transformational. If you listen to it and let it sink into your heart, bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to do it. Okay? And so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Ah, you guys, so much. I hope you go back and reread this passage today. Just sit before you, before you barbecue anything or cook any hot dogs or light any sparklers or anything like that. I hope you go back and just reread this passage a couple times, okay? Have somebody with a nice voice read it into your phone's memo, and then just play it back. Go back. Kayla will read this scripture into your phone for you if you want and record a voice memo, and you can listen. She's got a great radio voice, and she will, you know, you can just listen to her say it to you over and over again. But if you remember one thing this morning, remember this. You can't earn what's already been worked for, and you can't buy what's already been bought for you. Right? Isn't that what we try to do? We try to earn what's already been worked for us through the blood of Jesus. We try to buy what's already been bought for us. No. You know, it's so funny that 
God went to such great lengths to save us from the law that as soon as we get saved, the first thing we want to do is put ourselves back under the law again. (laughs) And some people are really good at it. But, you know, God says, hey, I've already earned it. I've already bought for it. I've already paid the price. So according to verse 3, he's already given us everything. He withheld nothing. He withheld nothing. There's nothing that he could have given that he didn't give. Think about that for a second. Okay? He's favored us. He has showered us with grace and forgiveness. He is for us. And we don't have to strive to be right with God. In fact, all the striving in the world couldn't make you right with God. All the striving in the world. Okay? It took God to make us right with God. That's what... That's what it takes to make us right with God. It takes God to make us right with God. And guess what? He made us right with Him. And so it took God to make us right with God, and He did it with joy, according to Hebrews 12, too, right? For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Him. So He didn't do it reluctantly. God doesn't just tolerate you. He loves you, right? He loves you. In fact, verse 5 says He wanted to do it. It gave him great pleasure to do it. So let's just keep breaking this down. Is anybody learning anything today? Just nod your head so that I know you're you're awake and you're you're with me, okay? All right. So the first thing is, is we are forever part of God's family. We're forever part of God's family, right? We're all, all of us are born to be like with a need. We all have a need to be a part of a family. It's it's born in us. This sort of romantic uh, image that we have in our minds from culture, the sort of the lone ranger, the, you know, the, uh, the loner, you know, soldier, the, you know, the Jack Reacher, the, who are some other ones besides Jack Reacher and Lone Ranger, honey? Give me a couple. None? Oh, come on. Rambo? Batman still had Robin? What? John McCain. John McCain? The guy who ran for president? McLean. Oh, McLean. (laughs) Arizona? Okay. Um, Yes, John McLean. Exactly. Rambo, coming from that era. And so, uh, but God put in us a need to be a part of a family. That's why church is important. That's why we're part of a body. It's part of a church. God made us to do life this way. And so, um, uh, I'll never forget, we were meeting at Royal Family Kids, and uh, I had a a group of foster kids sitting in front of me, and I asked, you know, "How, how could I pray? How could I pray for you? And... One of the boys said, I want to be in a permanent home. That was his prayer, to be in a permanent home. You know, it's, it's, it's built into us to be a part of a family. And so we were created to live our lives with family. God knew that. He says, you're part of my family. I've adopted you. I've chosen you. You, you, you know, your brothers and sisters, like in a, in a church setting, your brothers and sisters, all these things, they might drive you nuts, right? But... Every family has brothers and sisters that drive them nuts. That's a natural part of being in a family. You know, I've, I've, got, 
I, I came from a smallish family in terms of my immediate family. It was myself, my brother, and my mom. So it was just three of us for a while after the divorce. And then my mom remarried when I was a teenager. Still only four. We maxed out at four. Guess what? We still drove each other crazy. We still drove each other nuts. That's just a part of being a family. And church is no different. It's funny that we actually expect church to be different than our own family. And so we're like, if I don't get stroked just right at my church, I'm going to go find another church. Like, hey, guess what? You're going to go there, and your new family's going to drive you nuts. Right? It's just part of being family. Uh, in fact, there's a church that I knew of in Colorado. They didn't call this room the sanctuary. They called it the family room. And it's because they know that people get together, they worship God together, but they're still driving each other nuts. That's just God, how, how God created us. And God says, listen, you're part of my family. I've adopted you. I've chosen you. Um, let, you know, you might drive each other crazy, but I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And the interesting thing about, you know, adoption is when Paul uses this term adoption, that we've been adopted. Well, if you're familiar with an adoption decree, an adoption decree can't be reversed. And so God is just saying, hey, I've adopted you. And that's not going to change, right? He's going to be like the... Uh, <laughs> he's going to be like some of these adoptive parents that we've met who even though their children were just awful terrors, their adopted children were awful terrors, they stuck with them. They stuck with them. And we've all heard stories, especially those of you who've been to camp training. And so the second thing, so we're forever part of God's family. And the second thing is we, we see here that there's more than enough grace for you. There's more than enough grace for you. You know, God doesn't have just enough. He doesn't have just a little bit. He's not going to run out of grace for you. He's not going to. You will run out of grace for you long before God runs out of grace for you. Okay? So we, we've become professionals at beating ourselves up, haven't we? We're so good at it. We are so good at beating ourselves up. We're so good at criticizing ourselves. We got PhDs in beating ourselves up. And you know what I've noticed over the years, because we've been doing this for a long time now, is that the, the, the greater the beating that you give yourself, the less positive change you're going to experience. And so uh, that, that's kind of the way that we're wired, but some, somehow or another, you know, I've known people who have suffered really bad addiction or they've just done some really bad things habitually. And, and they will, you would think that the, the level that they beat themselves, that they would just be changed, just be glorious human beings now. And nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. You guys, the only, you know what? The only one that feels good about you know, beating themselves up is you for a little bit. Right? Because if you just flagellate yourself, if you just beat yourself a little bit, you kind of feel a little bit better because, hey, I beat myself up. I don't need you to tell me how I did wrong because I beat myself up enough. I beat myself up enough. And uh, we're so good at that. And it's the most useless activity you can ever do. It's one thing to repent. Yes, repentance and, have, you know, and contrition are healthy. But this beating yourself up and this... Uh, this uh, what do you call it? Yeah, it's not healthy, it's not good, it's not what God wants us to do, right? Okay, 
Because God says in verse 6, it says that his glorious grace, his glorious grace is poured out on us. His glorious grace is poured out on us. Psalm 130 verse 7 says, for, the, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. Abundant redemption. Okay? And sometimes we feel like, like we're maybe on God's last nerves, and maybe we're beyond forgiveness. But God's ability to forgive is greater than your ability to sin. Okay? And I just say that one more time. I want you to remember that. God's ability to forgive is greater than your ability to sin. And there's no need to shame spiral or to hide from God when we've blown it. He wants you to go to him. He wants you to let him forgive you and restore you. He's not going to run out of grace. He's not going to run out of grace. So, and the last thing is that God's impulse... Oh, God's ability to forgive is greater than your ability to sin? Okay. You got it now? All right. All right. So the last thing is that God's impulse to, towards you, his, his reflex toward you is kindness. Is kindness. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever known somebody where it's sort of like you sort of run out of kindness for them? Like your reflex for them, even if they're, they're being decent human beings, your reflex towards them is sort of like, uh, I'm just going to roll my eyes. I'm kind of I'm done with you. I'm kind of over you, you know. But God doesn't reach that place with us. His impulse towards us, his reflex towards us is kindness. And it, it might be easy to forget, to accept that you're adopted, you know, because after all, even ill-behaved rugrats get adopted, right? And it might be easy to accept that there's more than enough grace for you, but kindness? I don't know. I don't think because a lot of that, again, we're seeing ourselves and we're, we're projecting ourselves on God. You know, but kindness? I don't know about that. When I've committed the same sin for the 50th time, am I feeling kind? You know, like... If, if one of my own children, like, have done the same thing for the 50th time, I start to lose the kindness. I still love them, of course. But when I trip over that pair of shoes for the 50th time, I'm, I'm running out of kindness. I'm running out! <laughs> not naming any names. I saw one of my boys looked up at me and was like, no, I'm not naming any names. Okay? But uh, when I've been mad at God, is he still kind? Right? When I've doubted, when I've had major doubts, is God still going to be kind? When, when I haven't prayed in a long time, is God still going to be kind? How about when I've been a, a deliberate jerk? Is God still going to be kind? Right? Yeah. He showers kindness on his children. He showers kindness on, our chil- on his children. We have to get over this idea that we have this transactional God. Right? We, because so many of our earthly relationships are transactional. If I do this for you, you'll do that for me. We have this sort of law of reciprocation, right? And so we think that we're on, in this transactional relationship with God. If I do all the things, then when I ask, he will bless. Then when I need favor, he will give. But I don't, if I don't fulfill my end of this transaction, then God's not going to do it. We have this transactional relationship. We don't, that's not we're, not in a, we're not in a business relationship with God here, right? 
We're not, it's not transactional. You know what it is? It's he's showering blessings on us. Get over it, you know. Just receive it. Just receive it. So uh, he showers kindness on his children. He gives it in abundance. He gives it without measure. He gives it overflowing. And so the thing about kindness, though, is that in order for kindness to take effect, is that kindness has to be received. You have to receive kindness. And sometimes, you, you might have experienced this before, you can offer people kindness, and you can discover that not everyone's going to receive your kindness. Have you ever tried to be nice to somebody, and they're like, eh, you know, right? Especially like if you work with, uh, work with people, you know, we have to work with customers or whatever, you'll notice that a lot of times they don't, re- you know, you're like kind and smiling and they're like, whatever, you know, just do your job there, circus boy. And uh, so we, you know, we have to understand that God's not like that. And, and God's always showering us with kindness. And, and in order to receive that kindness, we have to receive that kindness, right? And so... If you are kind towards somebody else and they don't receive your kindness, that doesn't make you unkind, right? It just means that for one reason or another, some people just don't want your kindness. But God is always kind towards us. He's always kind toward us. And our job is just to receive it. And and it it might mean, you know, just saying, God, you know, I haven't measured up or I haven't whatever, and I'm just going to set that aside and I'm just going to receive your kindness. It might mean going, hey, yeah, I've not been the best son. I've not been the best daughter. But I'm going to receive your kindness. And the question is, will, will you receive it? You know, are you going to receive God's kindness? And, and so I find in my own life, sometimes it's really easy to receive forgiveness, but it's not very easy sometimes to receive kindness. And so will you receive it? And so um, I'm going to pray I don't know if the worship team wants to come back, but um, I just want to close out today by praying, you know, for you. And, and, you know, maybe you've had kind of a difficult time accepting this extravagant grace. Maybe, maybe it's hard for you to receive kindness from God, from our Father. Maybe you even kind of grew up in sort of a religious system that was all about beating yourself up, Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? I don't know, maybe you were a wretch before, but God's adopted you, you know. And, uh, and so I just want to pray for you. So, um, you know, if that sounds like you, can you just give me like a wink, give me a sign, give me one of these numbers so I can pray for you? <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? You have a hard time sometimes receiving God's kindness. Yeah, yeah. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, come. Lord God, I pray for every person that uh, has a difficult time receiving your kindness. And that's me too sometimes, God. Lord, um, I pray that you would give us the ability to see us the way that you see us. Lord, this, um, this passage here in Ephesians is such a beautiful picture of the way that you see us. Uh, that you see us as uh, 
without fault, that you see us as holy right here in your eyes, God, and that you adopted us, you brought us into your family, that you paid a great price, that you shower us with blessing. And Lord, I I pray that we would forever always walk in that kindness, walk in receiving from you, walk in a right perspective and a right view of uh, who we are in you and how you see us and how uh, we are in relationship with you. God, that we would, uh, rather than striving to earn what's already been worked for us, rather than striving to get what's, you know, to buy what's already been bought, God, we would just receive. Make us good at receiving, Lord. Oh, God, we praise you. We love you so much in Jesus' name.